This is Bloomberg Business Week from Bloomberg Radio. I'm Jason Kelly. And I'm Carol Masser. Welcome to the Bloomberg Business Week Extra. It's our weekly podcast bringing you an in-depth interview you will not hear anywhere else. And this one, man, we just love talking with her. Well, this is one of these times where you're listening to my voice, but you can't <laughs> hear me like rubbing my hands together because I'm so excited to bring you guys this interview. It's with Frances Fry. She's got a new book, Unleash, The Unapologetic Leader's Guide to Empowering Everyone Around You. This was one of these interviews that the moment she came on the line, we were excited because she's a real person. She's had real experiences. She told mm-hmm. some great stories and she's been in the trenches. Well, trenches meaning Uber and WeWork. Check it out. I think that there are great leaders, and then there are people that are not very good leaders. I think leadership can be taught. So for those that uh, for those leaders that aren't doing a good job, if they have the desire to get better, we can teach them. If they don't have the desire to get better, I wish for them to step aside. How do you teach them? Because these are these are tough people who are often in positions where they are, and you have run into some of them very directly, uh, who are very confident and uh, they know where they're going. I just finished uh, listening to a six-part podcast on WeWork, and uh, you know more about that story uh, than I do. But but I do wonder how do you break through to to people, or are there are some who just can't be broken through. Well, I find that. It- if you can break through, it's usually either through emotion or logic. Hmm. And the lesson to be learned is that if someone is, if someone is like at an emotional level, no amount of logic is going to penetrate. And if someone is at a logical level, no amount of emotion is going to penetrate. So you have to see where they are and then bring either the moral or the rational argument to them. Um, I will tell you in my lifetime, I have met very few people that uh, didn't want to improve. Huh. Well, so, so okay, so take us back to you're hired, you're tapped to be Uber's first senior <laughs> VP of leadership and strategy. Uh, curious about the conversations to get you there. <laughs> and then you walk yeah. in the, and then you walk in the door and then what? So just take us back there. Yeah. So uh, I was asked to go by a former student to go and meet with the then CEO, Travis Kalnick. Um, and my first reaction was no, because I, like everyone else, had read the newspaper and said, I only like to help good people win. This does not seem like a good person, so no. And the student was said, um, I think he's a very good person. Uh, I think he's out of his depth on parts of the job. Will you do me a favor and come meet with him? And so I flew out to California. I was planning to meet with him for an hour, and I stayed for three days uh, talking with him. And realized that this was a person who his last job, he had uh, led eight people. This company had gone through hyper growth. It now had between 10 and 15,000 people. So he totally needed help in leadership. But you know how I knew that? He said, I totally need help on leadership. And then on the strategy part, you know, he's like a mad genius in his mind, but it wasn't getting out into the minds of everyone in the organization. And so he asked me to help strategy, at least insofar as we could communicate it so that everyone was going off the same script. And then he said, you have full license to do what's ever necessary. That was my conversation with him. And then I went and met with a lot of employees, yeah. taught a lot of them. I think I interacted with about 1,500 employees before I said yes, wow. because I only like to help good people win. And if I didn't have the sense that this was overwhelmingly good people, I could never have gone to the organization. And I have to say, it was overwhelmingly good people. And you walked out of there feeling the same way? Oh, yeah. So 
you know, nine months later, the culture was completely turned around. Everything that you read about in the culture back in 2017, none of that could happen today. Like, just literally none of it. And we had it, it we had it, none of it could have happened within nine months. Right. Um, and we taught, we brought in the largest uh, executive education program, I think, ever into a company. Um, and I've never met such willing learners. I love this notion that you talk about in the book, which is in some ways turning leadership on its head or at least broadening the or widening the aperture a bit. Because I think we we think so much about, you know, I'm the leader, I'm the decider and, you know, it needs to be about me and I need to sort of have this command and and control. And you make a, a, a different argument, I think. Help us understand your sort of rubric, I guess, for thinking about leadership. Yeah, and I do make, I think, the exact opposite argument, which oh, is that... okay. <laughs> so you're exactly right. No, that, as what you were saying. Oh, good. Okay. I was like, from, wow, know, I no, really misunderstood sorry. what you're saying there. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> I was giving... Sorry, I didn't, you couldn't see me. I was nodding vigorously. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so leadership is about making other people better. Like, leadership fundamentally is about other people. And so the mistake that some people make is that they think their job is to be leaderly. And it's like they have a mirror in their office and they keep looking in their mirror to see how they're doing. And you should really put a window in your office because you should be spending all of your time seeing how other people are doing. And the a job of a leader is to make others better in their as a result of their presence and into their absence. And so I do think that it, it does really turn around what leadership is because it's not about the leader. In fact, our first chapter is called It's Not About You. Yeah. So how do you do that? Like, what does that look like in practice? When I walk into a meeting, if the most interesting person in the room to me is me, and I'm happiest when everyone else is looking at me, but if when I walk into a room... The most important people to me are everyone else in the room and my helping to set them up for success. And I will be looking super curiously and with all of my attention of how can I make you better? Like, what are the obstacles in the way? How can I get you to reach higher? How can I get you to, you know, develop more skills to do a better job? So it's really, it's it's not self-distracted, it's other-distracted. We're just like sitting with this. Jason and I are looking at each other because this is pretty powerful. Um... You know, apply it, and I wonder, how are you looking at what what you're saying right now and what you've just written in this book with what's going on in the world and what's been going on in the world yeah. for the last three months, the virus, first of all, and what's yeah. been kind of put front and center once again, those things that ail our society. We knew they were, they were there, yeah. but, you know, we're being confronted with it. And then certainly what happened with George Floyd in Minneapolis. Yeah, so I'll start with George Floyd. Uh, that which is, you know, our country has been grappling with issues of race for, I don't know, close to 400 years, and we've never dealt with them. And um, I think that everyone, probably because we're all in COVID together and we're all breathing the same breath, everyone witnessed, it seems, at the same time, the death of a man because of the color of his skin. And this time, it has sparked collective reckoning um, and feels like at least the first moment in my life where we might be willing to change. Um, But what we know about change is you have to do three things if you're going to change. You have to honor the past. We've never done that regarding race. 
You have to have a clear and compelling change mandate. We have that right now. And you have to have a rigorous and optimistic way forward. And so I think great leaders will honor the past and will have an optimistic, a rigorous and optimistic way forward. And the same thing, and if that's like poignantly for George Floyd, it's also what's happened with COVID. You know, um, like I think you could line up great leaders, great world leaders from top to bottom and look at how well their countries are responding. And it's like a one-to-one like, great leadership is playing out on the world stage. We're all given the same conditions. Mm. It's just whether or not it's about setting others up for success or whether or not the leader thinks that leadership is all about them. It's, like, pretty straightforward. Yeah. Well, I feel like we're seeing that at companies, too, right? I mean, we're seeing, yeah. you know, both in terms of COVID and in terms of the reaction to the to the murder of George Floyd, you know, the that exact same thing that it, it's all the same yeah. circumstances and, and granted there are little variables here and there about what type of company you run but but it seems like so much of it is ultimately about and we have these conversations all the time leaders being willing to to say something in, in many ways and it seems so yeah. simple and but i I'm, it, i feel like is, that gets lost so it's like twitter versus facebook because, right now Oh, you know, those are two platforms. I just got on my first social media platform, and that's LinkedIn. I'm on neither Twitter nor Facebook. <laughs> I don't do well with distractions. Yeah. But tell us about that notion of communicating and, and the importance of, of leaders yeah, for saying so something. Would, yeah, so here's what I would say. I mean, if, if you are a person of color in the United States today, you're hurting. You're hurting not just for what happened to George Floyd, but that's like horrific, but that you're hurting for what's happened in your life, that you're cheating, you know, you're, you have to teach your children not to run and to keep their hands in plain sight. I don't have to teach my children to do that because I'm white. Like it's like there is just this aching about race. And so if we look at CEOs, you can watch them doing one of two things. If they're a white CEO, are they, are they primarily worried about oh my goodness, now is the time, like what led up to what happened with George Floyd and we are now going to address it and we all stand together. And here's the thing, if I'm comfortable with my race, it's my job to go and fix racial inequality. It's not the job of people that are destabilized by race to have to fix it. It's like when people used to ask women to fix gender problems. No, no, no. Right. (laughs) If we're like if we're the bird if we're shouldering the burden of it, don't ask us to fix it, you fix it. Right. I think that's exactly what we're seeing. And so we're seeing amazing CEOs stepping up now and saying, Okay, we got this. You're right. We have been waiting for others to fix it. Now we're going to fix it. And that feels like a pretty magnificent moment in our history. And that was Frances Fry. She's professor of technology and operations management at Harvard Business School. And a couple of years ago, she was tapped to be Uber's first senior vice president of leadership and strategy. I loved hearing about the story about how a student <laughs> got her to talk with uh, Travis Kalanick of Uber. I mean, that's how she got involved in the company. And what she did, Jason, before she agreed to do the job, talking to hundreds of Uber's workers, she had to feel good about the people who were there before willing to work with them. And she made a difference. That's clear. I mean, it's a different company because of what she did. And a lot of those lessons there in her new book, it's called 
Unleashed. You've been listening to Bloomberg Business Week Extra. Be sure to tune in to Bloomberg Business Week Radio Live Monday through Friday at 2 p.m. Wall Street time on Bloomberg Radio. I'm Carol Masser. And I'm Jason Kelly. This is Bloomberg. Bloomberg.